What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Ombre Gaming Podcast, episode 15. I'm your host, Manny, and as always, I'm here with two of the swellest guys, Matt and Steve. How are you guys doing? Happy Tuesday. Doing great, man. How are you doing? I started playing Monster Hunter World, and... It's goddamn fantastic. Yeah, I love how in the in our Discord server, which we have, by the way, everybody, when they were describing it to you, you were just like, oh, wait a minute. Did you say it's like Dark Souls? Yeah, I'm totally in. I'm going to buy it right now. Like, that's all anybody has to say. I will say, though, we can maybe talk about this in a, in a different part of the podcast, but I will say it's not very much like Dark Souls in its difficulty, just in, like, inventory and item and character management. But in any case, I digress. Welcome to the episode, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Wherever you are, wherever you're listening from, we appreciate the fact that you're here with us, sharing our voices with us. So thank you for that. <laughs> well, folks, for this episode, we have some exciting things to discuss. The topic of the pod will be video games and movies and where they sort of intersect. So we'll be talking about some of our favorite movies that have been inspired by games and some of our favorite games that have been inspired by movies. But before we get to any of that, why don't we keep the house a little bit, shall we? It's a little messy. We got to clean up. Let's keep the house. So first up on housekeeping, as always, follow us on social media. We are at Ombra underscore gaming on Twitter and at Ombra gaming on the Instagram because we're so hip. Yeah. And we take great pictures. Yeah. In a similar vein, we have a Discord, and you should join it. Just like I said last time, only join it if you're not racist. So (laughs) the invite to join the Discord server is actually posted in our Twitter bio. You see what we're doing there? It's like a circle. If you want to get to our Discord, you got to figure out where we are on Twitter. So do that. Check us out on Twitter and see what our Discord server is like. Yeah. It's been, it's always an enjoyable time when we start chatting in there. And also, don't forget to check out just obergaming.com because you can find all the links to everything there, as well as some fantastic articles. Agreed. There are, there's some really great writing from the three of us, from Christine, from Matt O'Neill, all sorts of great folks writing about all sorts of great things. So check it out and uh, let us know what you think. Moving on, while we keep the house, as always, folks, this episode is brought to you by Insert Coin Clothing. If you want to look good while you're playing video games, and if you want people to know that you play video games, check Insert Coin Clothing out. They have all sorts of awesome gaming clothing. They have hoodies. They have socks. They have pants. They have shirts. They have little PlayStation socks that are goddamn adorable, and I want to get them. You throw them on with a nice pair of dress shoes, and all of a sudden, you're the fancy guy who plays video games. And on top of that, our listeners, our readers, and our supporters get an exclusive 15% off deal. So go to insertcoinclothing.com, put some items in your bag that you're going to look good in while you play video games, and when you're checking out, use the code OMBRA18IC. So that's O-M-B-R-A-18 and the letters I-C for 15% off your next purchase. And that code does not apply to items that are already on sale or bundled items. You know what's good. Next up on Keeping the House, we're all over Twitch. So we have a pretty great spread on Twitch. We're streaming almost every day of the week. And the lineup goes something like this. On Mondays, we have our good friend Matt. Currently, you're streaming The Witcher 3. Yes, full playthrough, Witcher 3, The Witching Hour. So join Matt for The Witching Hour on Mondays. Around 7 p.m. Eastern-ish, 7.30. On Tuesdays, we have Matt 2 playing whatever the hell he plays these days. I think he's doing Cuphead. He's doing some Overwatch. Um, Maybe he'll play some Warships. Who knows the guy's a mystery on wednesdays we have steve he's gonna be streaming some tomb raider or a show he likes to call what's in the tomb (laughs) it's a great name uh so join him for that on wednesdays i will be 
hanging out with you on Thursdays. I'm playing a little bit of everything as well. Overwatch is one of the things I play. Maybe some Wildlands too. We can always Maybe get a little wild. Wildlands. And uh, now with Monster Hunter World in my life, maybe I'll be streaming some of that. And then to round it all off, to round it all off, every Sunday we have community gaming night. So we usually play something from either the Jackbox games or we'll play Cards Against Humanities. And we like to bring in a bunch of people from Twitter or Discord or Twitch. And that one's hosted by Chrissy. She does the hosting for community game nights. So we've done Cards Against Humanity and Use Your Words, both with hilarious results. So many laughs, giggles, and chuckles. From top to bottom. So join us for that. The more the merrier. We would love to have you. And you can find us at twitch.tv slash ombra underscore gaming. So check us out there. Um, We always love having a good time with all of you fantastic, beautiful people. Last on housekeeping. Not only can you find us on Twitter. Not only can you see our pictures on Instagram. Not only can you go to our website and check out some awesome gaming content. And even hang out with us in the Discord. But you can actually call us now. You can call us, you can leave us a message, and that message might have been featured on the uh, podcast or in an article. Imagine that, you in the spotlight. So if you want to give us a call, you can reach us at the following number, 347-509-5620. And you know what the best part is about that, guys, is that for the third week in a row, we have a voicemail. So let's go ahead and give it a listen. It's from a friend of the show, Reese Hansen, calling from Massachusetts. Manny, I take issue with Gwyn as a villain. I think you make a case for why he's such a compelling character and why his state at the end of the game is so significant. But is he a villain? Isn't he just another cursed fool that's suffering like everybody else in that world? Finally, I was just going to share my pick. Steve, you mentioned how the Joker is uh, the greatest villain of all time, and I think Joker's certainly great. But, you know, the Joker is one of those people is the person who just wants to watch the world burn. Well, Keska is the one who pulls it off. All right, guys, keep up the good work. Take care. What a nice voicemail. So that was our good friend Reese. Long time, first time. Been listening to our show since the beginning. And uh, thank you for calling in, Reese. In response to the point you made about Gwyn, I agree. You know, I do think he's suffering just like the rest of them. I certainly think he's he's not your average character in the souls world in lord ran he's sort of um thematically like set up to be the villain and i think in a way one could label him a villain because he wants to keep the age of fire going um and he's doing it out of this sort of like self-obsession granted you know i mean like that kind of begs the the sort of bigger question which is like really who's the bad guy in war you know but at the end of the day i do think you make a good point everyone's suffering in dark souls and the world of dark souls from you know demon souls all the way to to the dlc of dark souls 3 the world just doesn't give a shit about anybody in it including gwen so i think everybody's sort of a victim but um i do think there are sides in in this war in that world so that's all i got to say about that um steve what, what what do you have to say in regards to the joker i do understand the concept where it's like yeah he just likes to live in the chaos and you can you can argue that yeah sure maybe he doesn't directly cause certain things to happen he just kind of sets the stage so that the pieces fall where they may but i'm gonna have i have a few pieces to argue that where he actually did the damage first of all so there's gonna be spoilers for the killing joke and then dark knight returns and batman the dark knight so i've been i've been yelled at for my proclivity to spoil games so spoilers for those three major batman pieces 
So if you don't want those spoiled, even though they've all been out forever, <laughs> skip you ahead. <laughs> you do stink. Anywho, in The Killing Joke, he straight up shoots Barbara Gordon, causes her to become paralyzed, <laughs> and then he also sends Jim Gordon on the most outrageous roller coaster ride of just mayhem where he has he's forced to look at pictures of his bleeding daughter who is now paralyzed at the scene of the crime and this so, is the the comic book the this is the comic book the killing book killing joke there's also um an uh, animated film of it too with uh hamill and conroy doing the voices again the comic's better than the animated they didn't i don't i feel like they missed out on some of the things in the animated one i digress so that's him directly causing the problems right there he's straight up being a villain in that situation he's literally just took the legs from this young woman and tried to drive her father to insanity to eventually he basically tried to get jimmy Gordon to kill him but batman stops him and then the whole ending with the killing joke is the iconic scene of batman holding the joker and the two start to laugh and then it fades out you don't know what happens and the dark knight returns frank miller's best batman comic of all time also a fantastic animated film that is one of the ones that just like does it frame by frame of the comic they nail it um and that one the joker comes back and he straight up gasses an entire studio audience as he's like coming out and trying to act like he's this good guy and then he literally kills an entire talk show studio audience and the talk show so again that's not him setting up the pieces to follow they may he literally just went in there and gassed everybody to death killed folks yes (laughs) well it's it's funny i never played um final fantasy i had a lot of friends who were really into it and i learned a lot from them um but at the end of his message reese uh mentions kefka from final fantasy 6 um and let me read a little bit from a wiki about kefka kefka has been rated one of the most memorable and most evil video game villains ever created with with critics and fans noting his intense hatred and maniacal laughter as defining characteristics. He has also been compared to the Joker from Batman. Oh. Uh, moving on to his appearance, uh, Kefka's appearance was designed by Yoshitaka Amano, who was given complete creative freedom in Final Fantasy VI with only brief character outlines as his guidelines. Moving on a little bit, Kefka was known for his clown-like apparel, which also has been compared to the Joker from Batman. His dress has been described as, quote, garish, with, quote, makeup smeared across his face and a shrill, girlish laughter that is thought to punctuate his madness. So again, I didn't play a lot of Final Fantasy. I have not played any Final Fantasy, I will say Yeah, that. it just never really stuck with me. But hey, look at those comparisons. And I, and I think one of, the thing, one of the big sort of takeaways from that conversation that we had in episode 14 was that we were... Probably more than anything, applauding the really, really great portrayals of the Joker. You know what I mean? Like, I think in our sort of, in, in the kind of mediums that we can consume, I think, like, there has been some amazing portrayals of the Joker, and, and I, I think that's absolutely worth acknowledging. But in any case, Reese, thank you for calling. We appreciate it. So, moving on, folks, we are going to play another session of That Happened, where we will talk about the things that have happened in the gaming world since last we spoke. So, who's up first? Steve, why don't you take it away? What do you got on your plate? What happened? In a shocking twist, I actually have an Xbox-centric that happened. So this is all about how the rumors going around the X, uh, Microsoft is trying to acquire EA or in the market to acquire somebody. Yeah, which is insane and fairly breaking. I want to say in the last 48 hours, this has sort of started spinning in the rumor mill. Yes, by the time people listen to this, it'll it'll been like a week, but... <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> that's true it'll be pretty old by the time this comes out i'm taking um just about everything from a, a polygon article by colin campbell he talks about how phil spencer got promoted to executive vice president of gaming so it's basically microsoft saying like we're confident in you you can you know do what you have to do to bring this back Obviously, they've lost this generation battle, not even just to PlayStation 4, because that's obvious, and Sony has basically doubled their sales. And they're basically going to lose this to Nintendo Switch, too. Like, the Switch they've is coming on. lost it to Nintendo Switch. I mean, not in terms of, I guess, console sale numbers, but again, the Switch has also been out a lot less longer. Um, so, yeah, they, they kind of have lost to the Switch. And the, the whole article kind of centers around the lack of exclusive games for Microsoft. And that's what you saw when, you know, the E3 came where they announced, you know, the, the lineups for Xbox um, One and PS4 when, like, the, in 2014 when all those... No, excuse me, in 2013, excuse me. When those all released, the June E3, they were announcing all the lineups. And you can see there wasn't a lot lined up for Microsoft and they were focusing so much on the home all-in-one entertainment aspect where, Hey, you can check your fantasy scores while you're playing video games, or you can be watching TV while you're playing video games. Like that's cool. But I kind of just want to play video games when I play video games. And Sony went the other way and they were just like, all right, well, all you indie studios talk to us. We'll gladly house your games. And then they have it's it's well known that Sony has a ton of independent studios working for them, so that's how you get a lineup like we're looking at in 2018, where Spider-Man, Detroit Become Human, God of War, uh, and I'm sure there's others that I'm not mentioning right now, but those are just the top three right, right off the bat. So this is talking about how they really need to improve that exclusive lineup. So that's where you can kind of see where acquiring a big studio would come into play, because the studios they already have aren't really churning anything out like i know matt you're going to talk about sea of thieves in a little bit so that's that's one of them that's actually driving some more interest to microsoft but you know it's basically saying well is that really enough and it's not so if they're able to make a splash where they can acquire somebody like ea you have to ask does that mean sony loses all of madden nhl fifa oh my god yeah that'd be like is is that how because if that is something microsoft can pull off that does do a substantial amount of damage it's not going to basically say people are going to go get xboxes as their first console but it becomes a secondary option where they're like yeah i kind of want that because i still want to play those games like i know i would be in a situation where well actually no i'm just playing on my switch ah never mind (laughs) (laughs) there's i think there's an, an interesting number of things that are at play and i think one of them is the backlash that ea has gotten in the last six months right that being said i would I feel like it's stupid for EA to be down to be acquired by Microsoft because, like you said, they're going to be missing out on essentially what is the highest, you know, like what is the biggest spread on the market, which is PlayStation right now. That being said, I think there's something to consider in the fact that Xbox also recently announced their Game Pass, right? So you pay, I think it's 10 bucks a month, and you get access to, I forget how many games for that month. It, it's essentially Xbox's, uh, Microsoft's response to PS Plus. But actually, it's, it's if you look at the numbers, it's a better deal. Well, no, 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 no. Isn't this more their answer to PlayStation Now? Because Games with Gold was their answer to PS Plus. PlayStation View is cable TV. PlayStation oh, Now yeah, is of. the, you pay a monthly subscription and it's a streaming service. You can stream uh, an entire library of like PS4, PS3 games and PS2 games. Right. And so I think in that way i think microsoft is is 
Like, that's a pretty big move, and I think Microsoft is gaining a lot of ground on PlayStation in that regard. That being said, like you like you mentioned about the Switch right now, like, from, from my point of view, Microsoft is in third place. I mean, you look at how well PlayStation has done with exclusives, and you look at how well they've done with sales of those exclusives. Microsoft has a massive exclusive problem. Xbox has a massive exclusives problem. But then you look at Nintendo and you're looking at their sales expectations and their projections for 2018. They're expecting to sell 20 million Switch consoles by the end of this year. Yeah. And that's just absolutely massive. I mean, that would put a serious heat on PlayStation. Um, and so I think Microsoft and Xbox, they're trying to fight for a way to, I don't want to say maintain relevancy because I think that's a little strong, but they're trying to keep their head above water in this, um, and I'm doing this air quotes, console race. So it's an interesting time. I mean, those are two really big moves, Game Pass plus a possible acquisition of EA. That's bananas. My big thing with Xbox is how often can you fall back on, well, we're going to do another Gears of War, another Halo. Like, all right, well, right. can you right. do something different? I would not enjoy losing FIFA. That would be bad for my health. So is that what happened, Steve? Damn. That's what happened. I don't know if we can follow that. Matt, you want to go next? All right. This is what happened. This game Sea of Thieves has basically exploded on Twitch in popularity and thus on the internet. It was sort of not really talked about in 2017 when I was researching like what I'm looking forward to for for that pod that we did, what you're looking forward to in 2017. I did come across it, but it definitely was not on most of them. And in the, and, and like the concept, a lot of people shot it down. Yeah, and a lot of people drew similarities to that other game, Black Black Wake. Black Wake, and and yeah, so so people were sort of like, okay, I'm not not really into it. A lot of people have been playing it on Twitch, folks as famous as Summit, who has like 50,000 viewers nightly, has been playing it basically the entire closed beta, and it comes out for the rest of us on uh, March 20th. And just like you mentioned, Steve, it is it is published by Microsoft, um, so it'll be on Xbox and PC. It looks really cool from, I mean, I've probably watched about four to five hours total you're you're basically on a ship with your friends there's a bunch of things that you have to do on the ship in order to sail you have to set your sails you have the anchor you have someone steering but the sails are literally in the way so you need someone up on the bow uh telling you yeah telling you well to turn the sails but literally to tell you what way to turn the ship because you cannot see there's a multiplayer aspect to it because you can come into contact with other ships uh, and you can either raid them or run away, shoot your cannons at them. Um, there's also quests. And, and one of the things that I've heard um, some people have a frustra- frustration with is that there are there are literally, as of now, no safe zones in the game. So, for example, Andrea Renee from What's Good Games was tweeting uh, was tweeting somebody at uh, Rare, the developers of the studio, as everybody knows, including myself. And um, she was saying that she was attacked as she was going to one of the merchant islands to turn in some of the gold that she had gotten on like an expedition. Um, and they and like her whole crew was killed and they stole their gold <laughs> and they just took off, which is which is intense. Um, and the, the person responded there like, we don't have any plans right now. Um, was she upset that. by that or? She was upset by that. Um, she was like, I'm down for PVP. I'm into I'm, I'm into that kind of tension. And Rare responded. They're like, we don't have any plans to change it. Um, we want that tension everywhere and, and all I'm kind of on their side, to be honest. There was world PVP in WoW, and th- that was those were probably the best days of PB- 
PvP in World of Warcraft. And then they started doing yeah. Battlegrounds and they took it out and da 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 da. You have to be on a PvP server. So yeah, I'm on their side. I think go for it. I think the one thing they have to balance is the number of ships that can be in like i guess one instance of a server right because you can't have ships everywhere or you're not going to accomplish anything, <laughs> just, you know <laughs> a sea of ships just bumping into each yeah. other not moving yeah <laughs> just rocking back and forth so i've not pre-ordered the game we have people on our discord that did and they're playing the beta and they literally have, as we speak yeah literally as we speak and they say that it's great i'm standing by my moral fiber of not pre-ordering any game and we will uh, we'll see what happens. I hope I hope that they continue to to do some good things. The quests look really cool. The maps and, and all the riddles and stuff. I'm down for riddles. Um, so hopefully, I want to challenge you on this, but I good. know we'll fall into a rabbit hole that we've fallen into before. So why don't we all? No, you can ask it. Game? I won't. I won't fall into a rabbit hole. I promise. No, I will fall into the rabbit hole because oh, okay. neither of us will back down. So is that what happened, Matt? I believe that is what happened. Fantastic. So I'm gonna round it off here with my. That happened, and my that happened is I kind of look at it like a, a happy accident. I was in New York for work. I was staying in Lower Manhattan. I was looking at Twitter, and I saw that Pete Hines from Bethesda. He works on branding over there. I think he's the senior vice president of branding, of uh, PR. I'm sorry. Um, was tweeting about being in New York City, and I was like, oh, that's cool. What is he doing here? And I sort of did a little bit of research, and it turns out that the same night that I was in New York, one of those nights was the the New York City uh, Video Game Awards, which was open to the public. So that day I bought a ticket and I was there and it was fantastic. So the, the New York City Video Game Awards was actually hosted by the New York City Video Game Critics Circle, which is a group of people, um, journalists, content creators, casual gamers, established gamers, streamers. It's a group of people, I want to say there's about... 20 of them, maybe 25 men and women all living in New York City who have a voice in the video game critics world. So they'll write articles, you know, some of them actually have podcasts as well. Um, they have videos on YouTube, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and they get together every year to honor the uh, the video games that had com- that came out in the, in the year prior. So I bought a ticket. I was there that night, and it was incredible. For something that had a ticket price of 20 bucks, I was stunned that I was in the room with some of these folks. Um, to name a few, I met Todd Howard. He is the director and executive producer at Bethesda Games. He literally led development on Fallout and The Elder Scrolls, which yeah, is that's awesome. insane. That's cool. Um, I met a lot of people from Nintendo, which was really cool, and talked about some of the things that they're getting excited for going into the new year. I hung out with Pete Hines from Bethesda, which was great. He remembered the article that I wrote about Wolfenstein. I had to refresh his memory a little bit, but he got there. <laughs> and probably the best part of, of that night was meeting uh, Melina Jurgens from Hellblade Cinema Sacrifice, which was really cool. She was there. She won Best Acting for, for her performance in Hellblade. I met the producers from uh, Ninja Theory, they spoke very little English, but they could they could pick up what I was putting out. So it was an awesome night. It was a great, great night. It was cool to be a part of that kind of gaming community. I still don't like New York City any more than I did beforehand. I got to take you around, though, because you've only been to Financial District. I'm good. So, Manny, that happened? That happened, folks. So with that, let's move on to the topic of the pod now that we've been talking for an hour. <laughs> Like I said at the beginning of the pod, the topic for today is the intersection of 
games and movies. So what we're going to do, we're going to go around the group here and we're going to talk about what are some of our favorites and what are some of our least favorites. Um, So they could be movies that were inspired by games or vice versa. Matt, why don't you go first? Okay, I am going to break the rules already. So I picked two movies and games, but they're both ones that I like. And I didn't pick one that I disliked. <laughs> so I did Classic. not follow the rules. Classic Matt. And the first one I'd like to talk about is Warcraft, which came out uh, in 2016, I believe, in the U.S. and overseas. And a lot of people wrote it off as a shitty movie. And wasn't the guy from the Vikings TV show? Yes, that? Ragnar is the main character. Well, He's one of the main characters. The other was Shrek. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's Duratan. Um, I would just like to say that I think it's actually okay. And I think people who played World of Warcraft or any of the strategy games, Warcraft games, and know something about the lore would enjoy watching the film. You see characters that are familiar to you. The action's pretty good. The CGI on the orcs is actually very good. And there's also, if you don't know the whole story, there's also a pretty good twist involved in the movie. Some of the acting is not the strongest. Cadgar annoys me. I don't think he's great. And I actually think all the orc acting is pretty good, um, which is kind of hard to do with CGI. And just like the voice acting. Uh, and do then, you know if the orcs were completely CGI'd or was it motion capture? Oh, God. That's a good question. I would guess it's a little bit of motion capture, but they are full. Like they're fully rendered, but they were motion captured in terms of their movement. That is what I would guess, but I do yeah, not that's know what I would also the guess. full answer to that question. Also, the, the movie was actually extremely popular in China. So although it didn't do the best in the U.S., it did very well in Chinese markets. So my recommendation and why I, I like it is that I just think it was underrated by u.s u.s folks um i think i think it deserves a little more credit than it it was given and if you're at all a a world of warcraft person or whatever warcraft random chaos whatever then i think you'll enjoy it so that's what i'll say about that so movie inspired by game movie inspired by game my second one is game inspired by movie you may have heard of these movies they're called uh star wars no what is that is that a drink uh yeah it's uh it's a sports uh, drink it's <laughs> it's whiskey mixed with gatorade i probably did that Ew, in college that's disgusting uh and the game uh that i'm gonna pick a lot of people might think i'll pick kotor i'm not gonna pick kotor though it's great i'm gonna pick star wars episode one racer have you guys played star wars uh episode one racer on the n64 uh, it was on N64, yeah. It was That's also on freaking Luli. That was PC. that was the only one I played. Actually, no, there, there wasn't there a pod racer on the GameCube as well, or am I making that up? Um I don't think so. There was Bounty Hunter on the GameCube. That's the one I played. That one was also pretty good. And there's lots that of Star Wars right. games that are pretty good. The original Battlefront, like I said, Kotor, but I'm going specifically with Episode One Racer because I also think it's one of those things that's kind of either underrated or forgotten, not really talked about. Um, it was unbelievable. It was a ton of fun. You had all the courses. Um, the only thing that even made Phantom Menace an okay movie, I think, was the pod racing scene. I think the pod racers were pretty cool. 
there was single player mode there was also multiplayer uh, there were a lot of different tracks there were tons of different pod racers and their little drivers that you could choose from then you could upgrade them as of 2011 this is from wikipedia it holds the guinness record as a best-selling sci-fi racing game having worldwide sales of 3.12 million and beating series like wipeout and f-zero which i think is pretty impressive i mean being at wipeout is no joke yeah so i just want to although just... why is wipeout sci-fi isn't that just jet ski races i think you, uh... i think you're thinking of is Wipeout the speedboats or the jet skis? Wipeout is a series of futuristic anti-gravity racing video games. Oh, okay. I remember it much differently. <laughs> so, yeah, I just want to highlight it because I think when people talk about Star Wars games, they don't really remember Episode One Racer because it's based off a terrible movie. But it blows the movie out of the water, and it's a great racing game. It was a ton of fun to play as a kid. Um, so I highly recommend it. If you haven't played it, you should look it up. The sounds were also great. They like totally, oh, yeah. totally yeah, accurately yeah. got the pod racing noises down. For sure. It was pretty awesome. Um, also, the kid that uh, played young Anakin is like a criminal now. Okay. Well, yeah. I guess he. Yep. Yeah, I guess. Well, I guess that's that. That's, that's the <laughs> life of pod racing. That's what it does to you. How about you, Manny? What do you got? Uh, okay, so um, I will start with a favorite: the Mortal Kombat movies from the 90s were incredible mm. in the 90s <laughs> i grew up and i think we talked about this i forget on what podcast maybe oh, i talked about it when i when i spoke about magfest talking about how much i played as a kid and how much more difficult they are now as an adult but i grew up playing the mortal kombats they were probably the first games amongst the first games that i played on console on the on the snes along with like donkey kong country and shit but yeah i love mortal kombat my whole family did with the exception of like obviously my parents but my brother and my sisters we always played it together my brother like used to let me win and i would only play with Liu kang i still only do whenever <laughs> I, I play mortal kombat but i loved those movies because it was great to see i mean it was the first instance in my life where this thing that i did for fun and like i did to my parents' dismay um, became like a thing it became an established thing like seeing the thing that i loved in a in a game you know show up on the big screen was really really cool um and the, by the big screen i mean my tv screen because i obviously wasn't old enough to get in a theater and see it but i mean yeah man like the acting wasn't good at all like the the fight sequences were decent but you know for its time they were okay um, like the soundtrack was great you know it has like the, the mortal kombat theme song that everybody remembers um the movie actually, the, the first one actually revolves around Liu Kang and um, how Shang Tsung killed his brother, Kung Lao. And it's great. It's 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 such a great story. And he, and he, he spoiler alert, uh, you know, he fights through the Mortal Kombat to, to end up um, defeating Shang Tsung and, and letting his brother's spirit go free. It was great. It was just a great watch. Um, obviously hyper violent, but like the mid 90s violent, which was like, a lot of like shitty prosthetic hearts and stuff um so it wasn't even that bad but it was just like really full of action and led to my brother and i you know putting t-shirts over our heads and pretending to be scorpion and sub-zero and oh, stuff so that, that was Scorpion's a lot of fun i have a lot of favorite character yeah i have a lot of good memories around mortal Kombat, uh the games and particularly the movies i also love the portrayal of raiden um in that movie oh yeah um he's too. played by like a french guy i think I, I forget where he's from he has like a kind of an accent but i mean it was just great it was fun to see that kind of transformation happen similarly but unfortunately not as well done one of my least favorite 
video or I'm sorry, movie portrayals of a video game series is the Resident Evil series um, of movies, which oh, yeah. are a gigantic bummer to me because I fucking love Resident Evil and I have since the beginning, with the exception of Resident Evil Seven on VR. Fuck the industry for giving that any award fucking sleeping on super hot but anyway i remember seeing the first one uh with mila jovich and michelle rodriguez and some other semi-forgettable characters but it just wasn't great it was terrible no it was terrible even as a kid i think i must have seen it when i was 15 or 16 and and even at that point maybe a little younger maybe like 13 but even at that point in my life i knew i was watching garbage um it didn't hold true to what resident evil was and i think the probably the biggest driver behind that is because resident evil is not a western franchise with the exception of seven which is why it sucks and the industry doesn't listen to me but <laughs> um it's it, you know it, it's typically a japanese a, a game written by a japanese studio and so i think turning it into an american action film just totally took the the true sort of spirit of resident evil out of it and turned it into a fancy schmancy kick-ass movie it just it wasn't great. The story was completely different from any of the games, and the whole heart of Resident Evil is the tone, the pacing, the tension throughout the game, and that just didn't exist. It was just like a shoot 'em up, and that's not what Resident Evil is. Yeah, it was like the it was like the opposite of my experience with Mortal Kombat because Mortal Kombat was seeing this thing that I loved so much in one medium and seeing it become amazing in another medium, and Resident Evil was just the opposite process. It was seeing something I loved shrivel and die yeah. into another and then movie. they made like three fucking movies and they all sucked yeah. like each one was and they all shittier. got progressively worse yeah like in the, in the last one she like can like summon tornadoes or like storms it was awful so that th- those are mine well actually uh, i'll end by saying i'm maybe one of the minority of people who is genuinely looking forward to ready player one uh i read the book it was fucking incredible and if you say otherwise fight me on it um, 1v1 me bro yeah i mean like we we've seen 1v1 me dude we've seen the trailers like tracer is in it um it has references to battle toads it has references to joust like there's just like a lot of gaming and nerd culture going into it and, and i'm excited i don't care that if it's like a nostalgia cash grab i'll i'll give them my money to feel nostalgia because i'm down for that so what about you steve what do you think all right I'm going to go with my least favorite first. I was going to talk about the Resident Evil ones, but since you grabbed those, I'll just go to something else that I'm sure we all can agree on. Uh, I'm not going to spend too much time on it because I feel like this has been beaten to death amongst gamers. The Super Mario Brothers movie, probably the worst video game movie of all time. It had nothing to do with With the the actual actual video game. And then, like, I guess it gave John Leguizamo, like, a good boost sure like i guess he came yeah, i guess he came out of it, right, right now <laughs> so that movie was i mean i don't think there was anything other than the names that really tied it in oh they had well yeah they had the koopas but like they weren't the same so that was terrible i remember watching that as a kid and even then i was like you know just the name doesn't quite get it guys like you can't just say this is mario and then go like i even knew when i was like four years old it's like this is trash Looked at my mother and I was like, "You change the Those channel right Steve's now." Steve's first words. <laughs> it's like, this trash. trash. <laughs> For my favorite, in a similar vein to you, Street Fighter. Fucking oh, love yeah. the mm. Street Fighter movie because for the, a lot of the same reasons that you like Mortal Kombat. It's like that terrible '90s action. It's it's a Jean Claude Van Damme movie when you really break it down, which is also another hilarious part that the main American like general Gael 
is played by Jean-Claude Van Damme with the thick French accent. In the game, he has a tattoo of the American flag, and they chose the muscles from Brussels to portray him of all characters. It's amazing. It's fantastic. Like, was Stallone busy? Like, they couldn't just dye Stallone's hair blonde? Um, but it actually, because it was a commercial success, like it made three times what it was worth, which is nuts. It, it grossed like just under a hundred million box office. And Raul Julia, this is one of his last roles because he was actually filming it while dealing with stomach cancer. He played uh, Bison. Bison, right? yeah, he did a great job. He actually got he a lot of recognition bison, yeah. for playing Bison, which is shocking. But they actually made it work. Like they made it so the characters met in kind of a believable way like Gael mm-hmm. ends up getting Ken and Ryu because he busts them trying to steal from the arms dealer Sagat who is Bison's arms dealer so that's how they all get connected and then Chun-Li is a reporter this one's kind of convenient like her crew is E Honda he's, he's the cameraman yeah. he's the cameraman yeah. he just happens to be a former sumo wrestler and then her other crew is uh, Balrog, and he's just a boxer. So, like, she just happens to have two of the biggest, beefiest dudes surrounding her at all times. And she's also right, an incredible right. fighter who's a reporter. Also, the, the Ken and Ryu dynamic was, like, a buddy cop thing, which was really weird. Yeah, it was very weird. Like, they were, like, hey, like, high-fiving each other. We're just like, a just couple of martial artists who happen yeah, to be yeah. friends, and we're going to go rip off the arms. And like, oh, no, we got cut by Jean-Claude Van Damme. And then he convinces them to help fight Bison, and they're all best friends. And then Blanca is actually like Gael's one of his buddies. So Blanca is actually humanized. That's amazing that they try to give depth to friggin' Blanca. Right. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely incredible. And so I do appreciate the effort that they went to to actually deliver somewhat of a watchable movie. And it's very entertaining. Like, Do you remember the... Um like the boat they get into at the end it's essentially just like a trapezoid in the water yeah (laughs) like they literally took like four pieces of sheet metal and they were like let's just do this and and they put like a tube in the front and we're like it's a tank i'm a little disappointed there was never a sequel to that i feel like there was there was some potential there so yeah street fighter it's still watchable today for you'll laugh your ass off because it is it's just hilariously bad but it's so good at the same time um, and for mine that I would like to see made, and I know everyone's going to assume he wants to see Metal Gear Solid, but let's be real. You can't actually make a 90 to 120 minute long Metal Gear Solid movie. Wouldn't work. Way too much plot to get into for that amount of time. So if anything, if anything, they probably need to do like a Netflix series of Metal Gear Solid that I can get behind. But I digress. With Val Kilmer as Solid Snake. <laughs> Fat Val Kilmer. <laughs> yeah. No, um, I would actually really like to see The Last of Us made into a movie. I feel like that could be a fantastic movie because it is very, yeah, it's very character driven. Um, It's very, obviously, I mean, everybody does the whole undead thing, but this is a different take on it. And obviously only people who have played the video game understand what that world is and have witnessed that take on the post-apocalyptic world. So I think it actually does stand a chance of being a box office success and you could get some really good actors to play Joel and Ellie. Like that could be some some young actress's breakout role if she plays Ellie and it's a hit cuz I think with the right the right studio, the right direction and the right crew and and cast, I think that movie could be a really really entertaining film for not just video game fans but just 
general movie fans of that genre. Yeah. I feel like you can make a Last of Us movie and not tell anybody who isn't into the game series that it's not from a game yeah and it would still be amazingly successful also i feel like ellie should be played by a young ellen page well that was the whole thing because they yeah. they got in some trouble because her likeness resembled too much of ellen page close. and because it was coming out around the same time as beyond two souls so like what the hell <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> nice man that was a good one i feel like uh street fighter is to Mortal Kombat as NSYNC is to Backstreet Boys kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, we all appreciate the same shitty kind of filmmaking, but we're like, I don't like your stuff. I like my shitty stuff, you know? I got Yeah, I was a, I was a Street Fighter fan more than a Mortal Kombat fan growing up. Well, let us know what you think, folks. What movies would you want to see made that are inspired from video games? Let us know what some of your favorite video game movies were growing up or games that were inspired by movies. There's a lot of potential IP out there to make some really awesome movies, but I think just the most important thing to obviously us gamers and sort of the industry as a whole is making sure that they're done well. So hit us up on Twitter. Give us a call. Let us know what you think. We would love to have you. And as always, folks, wherever you are, wherever you're listening from, we appreciate you very much, and we will talk to you very soon. Going on, everybody. It's Manny here with Ombre Gamer. Hey, everybody, what is the Ombre Gamer podcast? And Manny, blessed, 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 and Manny, blessed,